Hi, I'm Matthew Vandergeesen. Welcome to the Embodiment Podcast. After the last podcast on holding and being held, I wanted to segue into how we work the sense of overwhelm that can come when we don't feel held by life, and in particular, how our response to overwhelm shows up in the body, and how we can start to unravel that response, its spell of a tightening, of stopping ourselves as we distance from the experience of too much. One of the best ways I know of awakening ourselves from that reactivity, from the withdrawing from life that happens to us when we don't know how to feel held within ourselves and therefore aren't able to receive or meet with the life that is presented to us, is through the lens of asking, who did that? I first came across the question, who did that, from my friend Servas, a HANA somatic educator. I was in a workshop he was running where he would demonstrate with people on a treatment table. As he focused on the presenting tension or movement limitation, he would often ask, well, who did that to the person on the table? Just asking the question helped bring the person to the awareness that the tension they felt a victim of was built around their reaction to how life had presented itself to them. He was pointing out that it was those reactions that were an essential force in creating the contortions and distortions of their being. Let me give you an example. As I was preparing this podcast for you, I had this very unfortunate thing happen to a dear friend of mine. While out bicycling, he had a massive stroke in his brainstem and within a couple of days had died. I had the opportunity to be with him by his bedside to sing to him in the tradition of the threshold choir movement. And it gave me an opportunity to really be present to his experience of leaving his life. And I came home with my sadness and allowed myself, as far as I could tell, to feel the effects of that. But that evening, I felt that I needed to get to bed a little early and before I knew it, I was curled up under the covers in my hoodie, shivering, and it wasn't from cold. I was feeling the shock of having my dear friend and mentor and someone who is such a wonderful fellow journeyer on the path pass so suddenly from my life. So what I want to talk to you about got really real all of a sudden. Informed by that experience, I want to share with you some of the ways that the contributions of the Embodiment Project have helped me through this week and really shows its value in helping to ground us through some of the most difficult passages in life. First of all, let's go to the subtitle of this podcast, How I Distort My Movement and My Posture in Life. Often, I only start to notice that I've been doing this to myself when I start to feel the constrictions of it. It's a bit like Gulliver waking up in the land of Lilliput. You may remember in Jonathan Swift's story of Gulliver's travels that our hero awakens from sleep to find himself bound to the ground by these little ropes that have been made in the night by this race of very small people. Each one might not hold him, but altogether, 
he can't move. That is the kind of situation we so often awaken to as the gradual gatherings of our reactions to life accumulate until they come to the point where our functionality gets affected. I was processing lots around the loss of my friend. I just didn't have much capacity to be present to it. My reaction to overwhelm eventually drove me to a fetal position in my bed, a very instinctual movement to take care of myself that was much deeper than my conscious knowledge of what was needed. That Lilliput effect is something that happens to us all the time, actually. But we can be going a long distance in our lives before it finally constrains us enough so that we actually notice what we've been doing to ourselves. When you're doing a body-centered practice, you might catch the ways that you've been dealing with overwhelm as you notice how you've been stopping in your breath or stopping in your ability to allow charge to go through your body as you tighten in your legs or your back, your shoulders, your neck, or around your eyes. All those ways of creating disconnect and in the end distortion through your body restricts your capacity to move, to have animated response that will serve you and how you are needing to respond to this moment. All of that becomes diminished and drives you back down to those very primitive responses as they try to serve us. So breaking the spell, awakening to the land of Lilliput is often the first stage of starting to recover what it is that is actually happening to ourselves. I feel myself in the bed curled up and shivering and have a chance to just notice the experience of being there, to be with myself as I'm in that experience. And in doing that, I start to provide a sense of deepening into myself. I start to notice how I am, to notice how my breathing is, to notice the shaking that's going through my body, to be with myself as I am in this moment. I have the possibility of being a little more present to that interpenetrated experience that comes of being with sensation, and the wherewithal that noticing provides me to be here in this moment with it to feel how the bed is there, how the mattress is there, how the covers are there, the layer of clothing that I seem to need to be there, the shivering that's there. And in just letting myself have that experience, I start having an increased capacity to be there with the sensations of my experience, an increased capacity to allow that sensation in and an increased capacity to be present to it. Noticing and allowing myself to take in what I am noticing, that interpenetrating of experience, starts to enhance or deepen my capacity to be there with the truth of that moment. Now, there are two ways in which we can find practices that help us meet with those kind of experiences in life. In the few days since having this experience of the death of my friend, there's the question of how do I start to be a little bit more present to myself in this moment? How does it allow me to be a little bit more present to my experience of him, to really be present to that interconnection that's there, 
both the incredible value, the honoring of who he has been, who he is in my life, the parts of how he's influenced me that still live within me, and to be present to the loss, the sorrow, the devastation, both in my experience of my loss of him and of the loss for his partner, and actually beyond that, feeling it as a community experience, that there are so many of us that feel our hearts cracked open by this momentous event that has happened in our lives. So the first level of being with these kind of experiences is actually in the simple things that we do in everyday life. As I wake up in the morning to just let myself have the sensations of how I am in bed in this moment, to notice what is my breath actually doing, the shaping of the muscles that might have tension in my face or my shoulders, to really be with myself as I am in that moment. And as I start to move, to let myself have the space, to feel how the floor starts to meet my feet as I sit up and come out of my bed, to feel what it's like to open the fridge door or do the simple things of preparing a cup full of hot water, perhaps to fold laundry. Each moment becomes a possibility to have a practice of grounding into surfaces, feeling the movements of my response and allowing myself to be just a little bit more there, opening my capacity to be a little bit more there for the experience that I'm carrying within me. So that's the first level, letting the practices of everyday life create a pacing that allows a capacity to be there, to hold the experience as I allow life and its rhythms to hold me. And then there are the interventions. The practices that I know will allow me to feel those stopped edges, those places where I have moved into unconsciousness. I'm, I'm talking about those more formalized practices that might be in yoga or Tai Chi or even something like rolling on a ball on the floor, or doing stretches, perhaps forward bends that help ground me a bit by opening up through the hamstrings and letting me drop into my feet. I explore each of these interventions through three questions. The first question is, how does this practice help me inhabit myself more fully in this moment? So often we're looking at the practice as a way of diminishing a discomfort in our body, moving us away from a discomfort of emotion or soul or thinking. Each intervention gives the opportunity to let us have that forward bend, have that Tai Chi movement, to just feel it though as a reflection back of a possibility of being in myself a little bit more. Feeling where the edges of distortion to movement and to posture have kept me from being more present in this moment. So that's the first question. How does this practice help me inhabit myself more fully in this moment? The second question is, 
How does this practice help me be with myself just as I am? This is a connected question that catches the tendency we have where the more formalized practices also are ways that help us be more limber, help us open up our breath or ground us more rather than just to experience how we inhabit ourselves more. Just as I am helps me soften that expectation. It helps me to be present to my experience of this moment, perhaps to even have compassion for myself just as I am in this moment. I have the possibility of recognizing that these are the limitations of my experience in this moment to say, let me just have that. Let me just feel how this practice has brought a little bit more of the truth to my attention that these are the places where my mortality is awakened a little bit more to my awareness. This is a question that gives me a chance to be with those places of my mortality and to just let them be there. The third question is, how does this practice help me deepen more fully into the unfolding moment? So here's what I mean by this. With every tension, you're stopping the next moment that wants to happen. You stop the breath that wants to happen. That part of your expression that would move you a little more into this moment, the impulse to speak something that needs to be said. So this question, how to deepen into the unfolding moment, allows you to feel into that interpenetrating edge to feel how it moves you to response. Sometimes you might be softened, opening to the world, but sometimes you may feel the pull to draw into yourself, into an internal gathering of your energy. In each instance, you are following a related question, how does it want to go? That gives permission to your inner knowing that answers the call of life and moves you into the next moment. This question helps create space for possibility so that what wants to happen next has a chance to happen. So when you ask the question, you shift from the world where you might push yourself into a deepened forward bend, a deepened breath. Rather, it's letting yourself follow the unfolding of the interaction starting with recognizing it as it is, warts and all, and following the dialectic of affecting and being affected by it into what the next moment is asking, which can always be a surprise, always moves us a little bit more into the unexpected because it is breaking the spell of our habit, the expectations of how it always has been, allowing what this moment is asking of us to come forth. So these are the practices that I've been practicing. These are the ways in which the embodiment project has been supporting me as I've been working through this last week. And as it turns out, these are the very themes that I was going to bring to you in any case, except they just have that much more truth and reality to them allowing me to do what I'm always hoping to do as I work with this work. 
to come from a place that is informed by how I'm experiencing this moment and to bring it into community where we might support and join with each other on our journey. Thank you for listening to this podcast and joining with me for at least a taste of the Embodiment Project. If you want to know more about the Embodiment Project, you can find out on our website at uh, somaticsinstitute.com, S-O-M-A-T-I-C-S institute.com. You'll find articles, links to other podcasts, and of course, a connection to the Embodiment Project itself. Thanks for listening.